Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And I just wanted to give a very special thank you to all our listeners and supporters and friends of 3CR who donated to the appeal, despite the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and that there's been very, very tough times. 3CR supports vulnerable communities and is committed to working with communities and individuals who are deprived of a voice. It's approximately 404, 402, sorry, and we've got an interesting show planned, to say the least. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Meg Hill, who is from the Refugee Action Collective. And indeed, today's show is committed to looking at vulnerable communities in the context context of the coronavirus and also looking at over-policing, but also discussing public health issues and how we can actually overcome this pandemic. So first up, we'll be speaking with Meg Hill and she'll be speaking about a media release that's been produced by the Refugee Action Collective and it's entitled Detention of Refugees, a Blind Spot in Hotspot Suburbs. As Melbourne experiences a spike in COVID-19 cases, refugees remain locked in unsanitary and crowded conditions in the city's north, with hotspots popping up around them. Meg will be speaking about the 65 refugees who have been held in the Mantra Bell City Hotel for almost a year, and these people have serious underlying health conditions caused or worsened by years of detention offshore. The hotel is only a few blocks from Reservoir, one of Melbourne's virus hotspots. So she'll be um, talking about that shortly, about how also refugees are being held in the, in the MITRE Detention Centre in Broadmeadows. And we'll be talking about that very soon. And then after that, we'll be speaking with Tamar Hopkins, who is the former Principal Solicitor of Flemington Kensington Community Community Legal Centre. And she'll be speaking about the hard lockdown that's happened with the residents of Flemington. And this is in the nine towers that's happened in the public housing system. And we'll be talking a lot about the complex issues of over-policing and looking at vulnerable communities and also discussing the public health crisis and what can be done. So, yeah, without any further ado, we'll be speaking now with with Meg Hill um, from the Refugee Action 
collective. Oh, and just a, a brief, a brief uh, thing as well that Tamar Hopkins, who's next after Meg, has also done extensive research in the area of over policing, and we've interviewed her extensively on this show in regards to racial profiling and some of the cases that have emerged about that around discrimination. And so it'll be Meg Hill up first. In 2020, 3CR is delivering our Beyond the Bars project differently. We've been speaking to the Indigenous men and women in Victorian prisons over the phone and we'll bring you those chats throughout the week of Monday, July the 6th to Friday, July the 10th. You can also catch up on the audio from the project online at 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars 2020. We want to see our men and women out of the prison system, but while they're still there, we will give them a voice through Beyond the Bars. Make sure you listen in. And in case people have just tuned in, this is the Doin' Time Show 3CR and you're about to listen to an interview with Meg Hill from the Refugee Action Collective. Hello, Meg. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to have you. And Meg, it really has been a terrible ordeal, hasn't it, for the refugees in the Mantra Hotel. While the Victorian government addresses the spike in cases in the community... The refugees in Mantra and Meter are being deliberately left in high-risk environments. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so refugee activists have said since the start of this pandemic that the conditions that um, refugees are held in in Victoria and Australia broadly um, are totally unacceptable and actually are an imminent infection threat. So, um, whilst, yeah, I... Not to get into the issue of um, the lockdown and the way that the government is dealing with the crisis more broadly in the suburbs, um, but these there are two detention facilities essentially um, in Melbourne's north where um, some of these hotspots are occurring. So there's the Mantra Bell City Hotel in Preston, which, like you said, is a few blocks away from Reservoir, um, which is not under lockdown yet, which is but no. is identified as a hotspot. And then there is the MITRE Detention Centre, which is in Broadmeadows, which is under lockdown uh, and is one of the um, the worst hit areas of Melbourne. And um, there's a whole bunch of different factors that make these facilities really unsafe. Um, and they've been unsafe and a threat to the lives of these refugees before the pandemic. Um, and that's a thing that we always have to say, which is that it's not just because of COVID that we are asking for these refugees to be released. Um, wherefore they're released unconditionally um, at all times. But there are a lot of factors that make it a lot more dangerous now, including the crowded conditions, um, the lack of care that they're given, the food that they're fed, the security companies uh, and the security guards that are there, um, and the fact that the people in the Mantra Bell City Hotel all have underlying health conditions, which is the reason that they're uh, currently being held in Melbourne. Absolutely. And and so with the refugees, and I understand that there's been a lot of protest, uh, uh, you know, with the, ref- sorry, with the Refugee Action Collective and other organisations, how long are, are these asylum seekers going to be held in the hotel, Meg? Is it indefinite? Yeah, so the government um, is kind of refusing to say, um, and the situation with COVID has made it more difficult because... 
I guess the reason that they're being held in the hotel, the refugees in Maida are, are kind of separate. Um, they're, yeah, a, kind of a separate category. So they are here for a variety of different reasons. But in the hotel, those refugees are here because um, they were brought here last year, most of them a year ago, almost, um, under the Medivac legislation that was briefly uh, legislated and then repealed. So that legislation made it a bit easier for um, refugees to be brought to the mainland for medical treatment. Then the government repealed it, um, the Liberal government, federal government repealed it, and these people are kind of being left in limbo. They don't really know what's going to happen to them or where they're going to go, um, and they're not being told any clear information. We know that both major parties have refused to settle refugees in the community, um, and they're kind of sticking to their guns, but they're, they're not really saying what will happen to these refugees or when. So the, these refugees obviously don't have visas at this stage. They were meant to actually receive medical treatment and now they're not receiving it because the Medivac has been repealed? Um, well, the Medivac legislation was repealed in November or December, so the end of last year. Um, and so their, ref yeah, their medical treatment isn't happening, but it wasn't happening really before then anyway. There were a lot of issues being reported with it. So Moz, who's one refugee that I spoke to, he's um, from Iran. Uh, he was on Manus Island um, for seven years before being brought here. Um, he's got severe PTSD and asthma, um, and he, in the time he's been in a, on the mainland for medical treatment, has had one x-ray um, and literally nothing else happened. So um, their medical treatment isn't really happening, but I would, wouldn't say it's necessarily only because the legislation was repealed. We're in the middle of a pandemic and the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic is is really highlighting as well the willful negligence of the federal government's treatment of refugees. Why is the Victorian government silent on this issue? Yeah, I think it's um, a real blight on the Andrews government, um, but I don't find it surprising Unfortunately, no. because the Labor Party has been at the forefront of these policies for decades. And so um, Daniel Andrews can paint himself as a progressive, but in my opinion, he's basically just following in the tradition of the Labor Party um, kind of in lockstep. That's kind of what they stand for these days. And, um, yeah, I don't think they're going to change their minds um, anytime soon just on the basis of goodwill or anything like that. I think I'm glad you are talking about the situation in public housing in Victoria um, today as well, because I think that is also an example of how, um, yeah, this state government treats poor and vulnerable communities when um, there's a virus threat happening, an extremely punitive approach that's happening in those blocks at the moment and is relevant to our work as well in the campaign because a lot of those people in those public housing buildings are, either came to Australia as refugees or uh, are the children of refugees. And so... Yeah, even when uh, refugees do live in the Australian community, they're often um, under the pressure of a lot of different, um, yeah, ongoing difficulties kind of enforced on them by the government. Absolutely. And look, it goes without saying that we do need to overcome the virus, isn't it? So we're not saying that the virus isn't relevant. Oh, absolutely. I just think that you have to have a, um, a safe uh, approach yeah. that puts people's um, dignity first, and I don't really think that the well the approach with the um, refugee detention locations is not safe at all. Um, 
But the, yeah, I mean, the public housing thing isn't really what I'm here to talk about, but I think there are much No, no, but it is linked, Meg. It. It, it is linked, yeah, though, because, because there are lots of Somalians there. There's a lot of people, refugees that have just arrived in Australia, as you say, and there's so much over-policing there. Can you imagine how frightened the people would be there waking up oh, to absolutely. armed police? Definitely. Yeah, there's a long history of police harassment on those blocks, especially in uh, Kensington and Flemington. So, I mean, I think the way that they're dealing with it there, though, is just purely punitive. It's kind of, in a way, it seems to me they're trying to lock the virus inside the blocks uh, and stop it from spreading into the wider community there more than they're trying to keep those residents safe. Where is, is there evidence that the virus is actually in the blocks? Yeah, people in the public housing blocks um, do have the virus. I think there's up to 50 people now as of today. I hope not. I hope that's not what the issue, the 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 thing is to to lock people up because of the virus. But if people do have the virus, they need to be taken to hospital and and looked after and or quarantined. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to be hearing more from Tamar Hopkins about that, but Meg, I want to thank you for actually linking that up because it, it is important. People, a lot of people seem to think that the Nine Towers are filled with alcoholics and, you know, drug addicts. <laughs> you know, and alcoholism and drug addiction is a public health crisis as well. But I suppose it's interesting how Pauline Hansen was kicked off Channel 9, Channel 9, for making the most dreadful accusations against the residents. And yeah. in, entwined in that, you know, she's she's also mentioned that people need to be, learn to speak English and this is all connected with, with refugees. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, there's no surprise that Hanson is one of the enemies of refugees, is also the enemy of the people living in those public housing blocks. Um, I think whether or not they're refugees, but obviously there are a lot of refugees there as well. Yes, not um, all, but there are quite a few. Quite a few. Definitely, yeah. And I believe, Meg, that there's been... Premier Daniel Andrews has admitted that Victoria's rapid uptick in cases is partially linked to transmission from security at quarantine hotels. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so... Um, Despite the fact that there were a lot of there was a lot of blame shifting going on in terms of a lot of talk about um, migrant communities and things like that, it's now been admitted that most of the yeah well, a large degree of that outbreak now has actually just been linked back to um, the security operating at hotel quarantines in Victoria. And the situation there is kind of um, yeah a, a kind of familiar story for people who are familiar with um, Daniel Andrews. Uh, kind of neoliberal policies because the security firms or the security jobs were kind of outsourced and privatised, yeah, run by these privatised companies and the companies um, cut lots of corners there. They were reporting to the government that they were employing more security guards than they were there to get more cash from the government. Um, and unsurprisingly, this kind of shonky deal turned out um, to spread the virus um, because people weren't using PPE properly, people weren't trained properly, um, and there's a lot of other rumours going around about what happened. But um, I think it's clear that it, the problem comes from letting a, a company that runs for profit deal with this situation. And the situation with refugees is eerily 
um, has some eerily, eerie comparisons because, yeah, their detention is run by private security firms, namely one called Serco, which is quite infamous for uh, different abuses um, and uh, cost-cutting actions. And um, they've had some near misses. So in, in Brisbane, where there is also a detention hotel at Kangaroo Point, a, a guard there um, tested positive for COVID-19 a couple months ago. Fortunately, it didn't spread. Um, but yeah, it's very clear that if uh, an infected guard was on duty, um, it would spread straight through these hotels and probably every single one of the refugees would get it. They live in really crowded um, conditions with 65 people on one floor. Um, they're kind of forced into contact with these guards and the guards work on rotating shifts and there's lots of them and who knows what they're doing uh, and their time off work. I doubt that they're self-isolating properly. Um, and the reports that they're not using PPE or anything like that. And these refugees don't really have any choice but to interact with them because they're there constantly and they're the people delivering, like, delivering their food and um, going into their rooms at random times of the night without um, uh, announcing themselves and without uh, yeah, proper protective equipment. So it's a real um, kind of scary situation there. Perversely, that was happening also... The private operators were also doing this with the guests of the hotel that were quarantined that weren't refugees. Yeah, apparently, yeah. It's perverse, really, Meek. An absolute yeah, I think atrocity. it's really disturbing. Absolutely. Well, like Rack, I've got no confidence that Serco or Australian Border Force will be able to manage an outbreak if the virus is brought into detention at the Mantra or the detention centre in Broadmeadows. And interestingly, you know, I'll be talking about the Nine Towers later on with Tamar, but like the Nine Towers, the refugees also are running out of basic sanitary items like soap and, and other things, isn't it? Yeah, so there's been reports throughout the few months that you know, there's an unreliable um, kind of distribution of PPE there not even just PPE, I mean basic sanitary equipment like soap and that they regularly run out um, and it's not uh, filled up again properly. So, yeah, on top of the fact that they're forced into um, interaction with these security guards, they're not given even things like soap. And I think it's clear that the conditions at these places are made basically um, as uncomfortable as, as is pretty much uh, possible in what seems to be um, a kind of deliberate act uh, to make these places, yeah, as unbearable as possible um, in just a bunch of different ways. Like the refugees, they often have um, dietary requirements because of their medical conditions um, and they're supposed to eat certain foods, but they're provided basically microwave meals and they have no choice in what they eat uh, and what comes in their meals. Often they don't eat for a long time because they're not supposed to be eating the food that they're being given. You know, the constant surveillance and what that would do to your mental health when you're locked in one of these places and then on top of that, now with the uh, with COVID, they can't have and yeah, this just kind of underscores the need to um, release these people into the community. They can't have any visitors. The only visitors they have are security guards. Their visitor rights have been cut off, as uh, have their outdoor rights. They're not allowed to go outdoors. They used to be transferred to the MITRE detention centre so they could walk around um, at times outdoors. Uh, but that's all stopped with the virus. So they're just stuck inside now, basically. So I want to really 
tell listeners, though, that Meg and I are not suggesting that the coronavirus isn't real or that we need to address those issues. It's true, isn't it, Meg, that we do need to adhere to social distancing and hygiene and washing our hands. But what we are saying, or what's being said in this interview, is that conditions need to improve with quarantine and that refugees from the Mantra Hotel and indeed from other detention centres need to be released into the community with or without the pandemic. But the pandemic is dangerous, is, is doubly dangerous for the refugees, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I'm for a strict um, yeah, approach to social distancing and um, basically an approach to eliminating the virus, which I think our government is refusing to do at the moment. Um, but I, I also think that actually um, the conditions in these places are um, a, a virus threat and that they would, these people would be safer in the community where they can socially distance like everyone else can uh, and they can be provided for um, and they can be safe. Um, the, and I, I'm, I'm for that unconditionally, but it, it is the case that actually these detention locations are virus threats. Indeed they are. They, they, they are virus threats. And the, the, the other thing is too is, is in regards to what's happening with protesters as well from the Refugee Action Collective and other um, organisations that have been demonised whilst they're, they're trying to protest against this issue. Yeah, we've, um, there's been a pretty punitive approach to the protesting um, and, a, and a somewhat selective approach. So uh, some protesters from the collective have been fined. Um, there's some ongoing court cases uh, happening um, for an action outside of Mantra um, a few months ago which was socially distanced, um, people were in cars and, um, yeah, that abided by rules basically um, pretty much as much as possible. It was 100% safe. Um, and then we were threatened um, with other kind of basically political interpretations of the health laws um, when we planned another protest at the Mantra Hotel, which would be socially distanced again um, in groups of 20, which was the... Um, limit at the time of how many people you could have together outdoors um, with masks, with um, hand sanitizer, uh, the and yeah, no no more than uh, twenty in one group. Um, the police still threatened um, to find everyone there. So um, yeah, I think the the approach here is not about the virus, um, but is more about a political approach and trying to deter people from um, protesting around refugee rights. And using using the virus, the pandemic, as a way to silence protesters, even though protesters are adhering to the public health regulations. Yes. It's approximately 4, 4.23, and you're listening to an interview with Meg Hill, in case you've just tuned into 3CR, Meg from the Refugee Action Collective, and this is the Doing Time Show. Meg, do you have any any final comments about just, what's been going on? Um, yep. Just that I think, yeah, if people are listening to this and they think that it's an outrage um, and they want to be involved in fighting, then um, there is stuff that's coming up then that people can be involved in because I think the history of refugee oppression in this country um, and 
even the recent history, but the whole history of it, um, has shown that our governments will not change their policies unless they're forced to. Um, and I think that goes for both sides of the political spectrum um, and both major parties. And so, yeah, I'm an activist because I think that's the best way um, to fight for the rights of refugees. And I think um, that anyone else that agrees with that should come along. There's a few events planned. So the um, Refugee Action Collective is having an action on the 19th of this month, which um, we are having a meeting tonight to decide how um, that will go ahead because we want to make it safe for everyone um, with the spiking cases at the moment. Um, but nonetheless, there'll be something happening on that day. So keep an eye out for that um, on the RAC's Facebook page or on the website. And there is a, an action called by a bunch of different groups um, on the, uh, in August, from the 7th of night uh, to August, um, which is planned to be held at the Mantra Bell City Hotel outside um, in kind of a... Um, in the vein of the protests that we've seen uh, in Brisbane recently at the hotel there where refugees are held, um, a similar kind of action. So keep an eye on, on both of those events and come along. And what's the website, please, Meg? The website is rac-vic.org um, and the Facebook is Refugee Action Collective Victoria. Thank you so much for coming onto the show, Meg. And, you know, I, I wanted to also say before we finish that it's also the Liberal Party as well. I mean, we've got our own Peter Dutton, who's uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah, definitely. And, it's both, and both where are the Greens in all this? Um, the Greens have a better policy, a much better policy than both of the other parties. Um, they're... I personally am against all detention of refugees. Um, I think that can be processed in the community. Um, and so the Greens policy for me personally doesn't go far enough, but um, they're definitely much better than the, the major two parties. Yeah, we'll have to have a look at that sometime. That, that'll be for another show. But certainly there definitely needs to be a coordinated effort to assist people who are in quarantine, and that includes... You know, refugees, which is the topic of this interview, but it also includes, um, you know, the people who've been locked down in North Melbourne and, and, and Flemington as well, that there has to be proper assistance for vulnerable communities. Thank you so much, Meg, for coming on and take care. Keep up the good work. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. COVID-19 is a sickness that can spread from person to person. It can be dangerous, especially for our elders or people who are already unwell. We can all help stop the spread in our communities. Cover a cough with the inside of your elbow instead of your hand. Wash your hands with soap for at least 20 seconds after you cough or sneeze. Go to the toilet and before you make any food. Keep away from people who are sick, coughing or sneezing. Avoid going to places where there are lots of people. At this time, it is best to stay at home and away from other people as much as we can. If you're feeling unwell, have a fever, cough or sore throat or worried about someone else, Phone your doctor, clinic or medical service right away for advice. It is important to stay connected and strong as a community and keep our mob safe. Visit health.gov.au or your local health service for more information. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. 
Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434-136-501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434-136-501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we'll be speaking shortly with Tamar Hopkins, former solicitor, former principal solicitor from the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. And she's also been doing and has done extensive research in regards to police powers and racial profiling. I just want to start off an introduction by giving listeners a quote from Premier Daniel Andrews in Victoria. Our priority is to make the hard decisions to fight this virus and keep the community safe. And now we're supporting those Victorians who've made this possible, Premier Daniel Andrews said in a statement on Sunday. Basically, the chief focus for the 3,000 people now locked inside their flats in the nine towers at Flemington and North Melbourne has been the shortage of supplies like sanitary napkins and food and toiletries and... I'm going to be speaking to Tamar about this very complex issue and really looking at has there been a coordinated effort here, what's going on and what can be done to improve things. And certainly the Do and Time show is not saying that, we, we, that the virus isn't important. We do need to eliminate the virus. But what's happening? What's happening with the Nine Towers? Hello, Tamar. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, so I, there's a bit of an echo on this call. So yes, yes. Um, that's because because of the pandemic, <laughs> there's been restrictions at 3CR and I'm okay. doing the show remotely from home. So the sound may not be as as usual. Okay. <laughs> can you Thanks hear me? warning. Yeah. I can. So, yeah, I've been in um, communication with one of the residents and um, part of a Facebook group that's been set up to talk about what's going on. So I have a little bit of insight about what's, what's, what's happening. Um, and look, there's some incredible organising going on, amazing leadership from inside the flats, real solutions being sought out from the inside. Um, but yeah, look, I think everyone is quite appalled and shocked by the lack of preparation on the part of the state government in going into this um, hard lockdown Without Can you take us through any... from the beginning? So, so, so what happened, Tamar? Yeah. So, um, it, on on Saturday in the afternoon, there was an announcement from the premier uh, that, as of the announcement, that the flats at North Melbourne and Flemington would be subject to a hard lockdown, um, which we understand meant that all the residents were not allowed out of their houses for any reason at all, so not for the usual four reasons that are provided to other residents that have been put into Level 3 lockdowns, but were actually to stay in their flat, like full stop. 
Um, so this gave people no preparation to get food, medication, um, extra things for their babies, um, you know, things for their elderly uh, family members that were living there, uh, fresh food. <laughs> there was no opportunity at all to prepare for this. It was suddenly under lockdown. Then it became apparent that the... And, and the other thing was that the Premier ordered that there be 500 police um, uh, put on the estate to basically police the perimeter and prevent people from, from going in and out. Um, and we were told that there would be police on every floor and certainly in foyers and all around the, the centres and roads were, are blocked off, have been blocked off. There was a real confusion immediately about what was what was happening. Um, it looked like some of the residents in North Melbourne were able to get out to get medications just in, in that evening, but people in Flemington were locked down immediately, so there was a bit of inconsistency about what was actually going on. But now um, I understand that everyone is under a lockdown. Um, and now the thing about this is that if people are unable to get out to get their needs met, then they are completely reliant on the state to provide those needs. And we have there is real concern that there, this has not occurred, there has not been adequate um, information provided, um, not adequate food. People are running out of, you know, vital supplies for their children. Um, food that has been delivered has been... We've heard reports that it's been cooked pies with ham inside, which is completely inappropriate. Um, People, these are their these are their homes. They can cook. They want fresh vegetables and fruit. And just while I'm on this point, I've just got a list of things that people are request, requesting. That's milk, yep. bread, co- cooking oil, baby formula, masks, gloves, sanitizers, sanitizer, baby products, fruit, vegetables, lentils, um, and that they're asking that it be dropped off at the North Melbourne Mosque, which is at 91. To 101 Boundary Road in North Melbourne. So they are. Repeat um, that address get, again. The address is 91 to 101 Boundary Road in North Melbourne. So if people could um, could take supplies there. They can be distributed to the residents. Um, so really, yeah. So I mean, what the, the other extraordinary thing about this, Marissa, is that um, this hard lockdown was only applied to the. Um, to the high-rise public housing estates. There are other high-rise apartments um, close by that have not been subject to these restrictions. Um, the streets, surrounding streets, are not subject to these restrictions. So there, the people are inside looking out over people who are able to get along, get out, go to their work, go to get food, um, and yet they are restricted in inside. So there is a real sense of one set of rules applying to public housing tenants who are you know, a very highly racialised community versus everyone else in these communities. And, and that, that um, difference in treatment is profoundly shocking um, and profoundly dehumanising and traumatic along with the fact that it's being heavily policed. So why do you think... Why did Daniel Andrews do this? He's saying it's to so, protect people, not to punish. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, and I think that there... there look, my, my feeling is that there is a real level of paternalism going on about, um, you know, an, 
not a lack of understanding of the incredible um, uh, the, the capacity of, of tenants inside the building to to be to to manage this to socially distance. They have been socially distancing for for the months um, during this pandemic period. They went through the months of the lockdown that we all experienced without. Um, passing the disease on, um, there's they are absolutely capable of socially distancing. The, I, I think that there was um, like a a panic reaction without recognising the um, the real skills and capacity of people to to take care inside the building. And the the other thing is, I mean, I guess they they weren't offered the opportunity to go to a level three restriction like everyone else in, in North Melbourne and um, Flemington were, were given given they were all everyone else has been given the opportunity to to try something new. So they are I mean, it, it's it's profound to be locked in your flat without access, without being able to get your own food. Um, you're profoundly helpless in those in that situation. You're totally reliant on the state to provide for your care. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's an appalling situation for these individuals these people to be in, quite shocking. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think that I, I understand that there is a real concern about the the virus being passed around in these kinds of confines, but there must be ways of managing that while allowing people out to get their essentials. So, that, and that hasn't been explored. What could have been an alternative? So I guess there are a number of real alternatives. There are alternatives to the decision to lock these people down in this draconian way um, in that that why um, a Level 3 restriction should have been applied with clear guidance on how to get in and out of of rooms in a safe way. Another, but but the other, I guess, really appalling thing that's very shocking for residents is the way that this these measures have come with an with a massive police presence, and that that the signal that that sends to people that they are not to be trusted, that um, it is that they need to be heavily policed in this way sends a real signal that the government does not trust these people to to follow the, the rules. And um, and I, I just think that's that's just so appalling on so many levels. One of the one of the things that really strikes me is that this is already a really heavily policed, over policed community. There have been decades of complaints made by residents about treatment by the police, over-policing, being stopped and searched, being assaulted in public places, raids, um, p- complaints have been made, um, civil actions have been made, um, people have participated in a, a major race discrimination claim in this area that um, went through the courts and settled in 2013, um, asking for changes in the way the police de- deal with people uh, reduction in racial profiling, and yet, despite that history of of over policing, um, the the premier thinks it's appropriate to send 500 armed police to surround these these buildings. So, I mean, I just think that's appalling, and there are absolutely alternatives to that. Um, 
why haven't why hasn't this been approached from a health perspective? Why are, why is it that we don't have nurses and social workers um, information being provided by um, people who are not police? Like it's you know a real this was a real opportunity for the government to try another approach. And I guess the other thing that we need to be really aware of is that we we are right at the moment in the wave of a um, the aftermath of the death of George Floyd and the awareness, the growing awareness around the entire community that police are not the solution to social problems. We need alternative methods. We, the government, governments need to stop relying on police to solve issues that, we, that are all about community. And this would have been a perfect opportunity for the government to step up and, and approach this in an entirely different way um, without using police. Yeah, yeah, use nurses and social workers, bring food and, and medical aid. And, and I find it interesting that the, the media, the mainstream media is trying to portray it that way, but it's not really happening. No, that's right. So the, 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 my understanding is that the major, major outside force that people are experiencing is police. It's not, it's not social workers. It's not assistance. So... Yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, it's it's quite incredible, isn't it, that our government is is so capable of mobilising police at the yeah. at the rather than the community. Like, how is it that the community is so underfunded, undervalued, under resourced? Why do we not have community that can go in at the snap of our fingers? Why is it that we have police that can do that? I mean, that says so much about our society and its priorities. Well, it's occupied territory. It's where this is a colonised state. It's a settler state. Yep. And when are things going to change here? And I believe you were telling me at the beginning when, when I first spoke to you, Tamara, about that you were talking to a resident and there's incredible organising inside. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so obviously I'm, I'm not there and, we, and I'm no, no. really looking forward to the residents being able to speak out about this. Um, it's they're incredible. Um, there's there is just like amazing coordination, mobilisation. People are providing their own translations of documents, going around finding out what people need, knocking on doors. Like it's it's like this incredible uh, response. Um, the community will look after themselves on the inside. They feel abandoned by the state government. And they are looking after themselves, and I just think this is, you know, quite an extraordinary moment um, in, you know, in our state of realizing that we can't, you know, the community can only rely on itself, and it's, and they, there's just like it's quite an amazing period to be to be living through. So yeah, I mean, amazing organising. I think we're going to see some really profound calls um, coming out of this from the community. Um, so you know, really watch this space. Um, at, at this stage, they're very engaged in just survival logistics, um, making sure they know what's going on, communicating with people. So it's their their focus hasn't been communicating with the outside world. The media is the last thing on their mind at the moment. It's really a survival survival game. But um, but yeah, so what's this? How place does and the food from the mosque get transported to the to the houses? Yeah, I don't know that the fine details of that those logistics. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't know how the mosque has managed to to be that conduit, but it has it has Good. figured out a strategy. So just in case listeners have tuned in, so this is a doing time show, and I'm, you're listening to an interview with Tamar about the nine towers that are being um, experiencing hard lockdown. Tamar, can you just repeat the information about the mosque and where people can drop off food? Yeah, sure. So um, the, the North Melbourne Mosque is at 91 to 101 Boundary Road in North Melbourne. They're currently calling for bread, milk, cooking oil, baby formula, masks, gloves, sanitizer, baby products, sanitary pot products. Um, they're after Panadol, basic kind of medical um, supplies like that. They would like fruit, fresh vegetables, lentils, garlic, onions, tomatoes. Um, uh, there was a call out for some injera as well. Um, uh, so, yeah, but, but one of the really cr- crucial things is that they don't want cooked food. Um, so they really want it. They, these people, there's their homes. They can do their own cooking. They want fresh food. So, yeah, that would be really amazing if people could, could get that to the mosque. Um, I'll give people the... Oh, hang on. Have I got the phone number for the mosque here? Um, I have it, but I'll, I'll just pull up. Pull up. It the... really is incredibly, incredibly yeah. crazy what's going on. It's, it is. It, it, it is. It, it, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it would have been a rare opportunity for the government to assist because it's not about we do want to eliminate the virus, and there have been virus outbreaks. Right. Yes, absolutely. And the community out there are absolutely attuned to that and, um, you know, are right behind uh, the elimination goal of the of the government. So it's not like this is a community that will refuse to agree to, to, to rec- you know, restrictions. It's just the level of restriction and the way it's been done, the draconian policed way it's been done that is so extraordinary. Well, they were involved with the lockdown when Victoria was in lockdown in in April. There was no problem. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, this is a highly educated, experienced community who have been living with this virus like the rest of us since the beginning of the year and could have been treated in a totally different way to the way that they've been treated now. So, yeah, I just think it's that... um, it's it's just that sort of paternalism directed to this particular group of people, and I just think I mean the other side of it is that we, you know, the gut. If the government tried to do this to say, you know, housing in Turak or a different part of Melbourne, you know, they, they just wouldn't get away with it. It's just this this kind of paternalistic treatment of public housing tenants, and I totally understand that the conditions are not. Are not ideal at all. Like those flats are not ideal, but but people have been living there for decades, and um, you know there has there's got to be a way of of looking after, recognizing the humanity and the the um, the kind of resourcefulness of these communities without subjecting them to the kind of lockdown that has happened. So I'll just give you um, the phone yep. number for the mosque. Um, yep. Saeed is there, and it's o four double one two eight seven seven eight seven. So 
So that's Saeed okay. at the North Melbourne Mosque. If people want to call just to check on what the latest requests are coming from the community. And they drop it off. And what's the address again? It's 91 to 101 Boundary Road, North Melbourne. Boundary Road. How are they going to get it into the housing commission? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know if the police will let them bring it in. Yeah, I don't know. They must have a special arrangement. So they must I'm, have a special arrangement. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I'll call and inquire about that. And and look, I think what needs to be emphasised. And look, I've had quite a few people saying to me, you know, oh, good, you know, let let them be locked down. Maybe they'll listen. Or, you know, most of these people are alcoholics, and it's so not true. Like, mm. there's educators in there. There's health workers. There's that's right. And even if they're alcoholics, the, like it's it's a public health issue anyway. Yeah. That's there's right. alcoholics everywhere. That's right. And if they're alcoholics and they're suddenly cut off from their alcohol supply, you have a major health issue. So I mean this is are they getting a people's drugs getting in, in there if they've got if they've got drug addictions, are they having access to the drugs that they're addicted to? Oh so my that's God. that's a real issue that pe that I mean, are we gonna see who knows what, what's happening? But people, there are people with major disabilities in there that need access to the medications that they're on. Um, so unless, and I guess there's real concerns that the government has thought all that through, but can't even make sure that there is food um, arriving. How can we be certain that medication and, and other, you know, vital needs, including people's access to the drugs that they are addicted to? So, yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, really Premier concerned. Daniel Andrews compared this to that this is no different to aged care. I mean, seriously. Mm. Yeah. No different yeah, to aged right. care. What, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I when mean, aged care have their workers, their care workers, these people don't have care workers, you know? Like, it's, it's a really entirely different situation. And the same is true with, with like, um, a ship... You know, one of those cruises, well, they're used to being... The ship is set up to provide for all of those people every day, provide all their meals, all their needs. Like, who is set up to provide all the needs of the residents in these flats? There's, there's no one. So it's an entirely no different coordinated situation. effort whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, quite... I mean, really, this is a big eye-opener for um, all of us in terms of, you know, does the state have a handle on the decision that it's making? Does it has it really thought these things through? Um, and and I think this was far too rapid a decision. And I get I get the kind of need to protect lives that's yes. going on that, you know, you want to save lives and that is obviously a really primary focus for everyone. But that you have to just you don't want to be killing lives in the process of saving them. And the other thing is that we want to be treat. We we are a community that needs to go through this together, and to single out people for you know extraordinary treatment um, is is wrong. We need to this this approach needs to be all all people in one suburb treated in the same way. Um, just the the documents that the government has released around just defining people as detainees. So these people are no longer citizens. They're they're, they're well they are citizens, but they're they're defined as detainees now. Now, this is an extraordinary situation that we have. Legislation, um, delegated legislation that's just come through, creating thousands of people have just become detainees of the state. The people in the flats? 
That's right. They're now, the people they're now in the flats are entitled de- detainees. That's right. They're called. They've been defined as detainees under the delegated legislation that was passed um, a couple of days ago. So it's you know we've got we've created a whole new class without the kind of people without the kind of support that is was required in order to do this. So yeah. So. Um, if I could just, I've got a, um, a list of demands that came out yep. yesterday from the residents and I have to say that obviously there is no single person or single group that can speak on behalf of everyone. Um, so, you know, the, obviously these are just demands that um, a, a group of organised residents have, have made and I also yep. want to note that 24 hours ago, so things change rapidly. But anyway, um, yep. so... They demand that we aren't stopped from leaving our homes for four reasons, work, education, exercise, medical care or caregiving, shopping. So they want to be on the same same lockdown that the rest of North Melbourne and Flemington are on. Um, we demand, the second demand is we demand the removal of all police officers from the building and a maximum of two police officers present in our community. So that's, at the moment, 500 police, that's, six residents to one police officer. That's just extraordinary that that's happened in our state. Third, um, we demand rent beginning 5 July to be suspended until further notice. Um, and I, since these set of demands, I, I note that the government have agreed to make emergency payments for people. I'm not sure what's yes. happening with the rent. but There's that, two weeks free rent. There's two weeks okay. free rent. Great. You better have to pay. Yep. Great. Okay, that's good. Um, fourth demand is we demand testing stations without police presence within walking distance of all lockdown buildings. Um, and fifth, we demand transparency and immediate transfer of funds to residents raised by other entities. So there have been some fundraising and I guess residents are concerned that, that funds, the funds that are raised, which is it's great that people are contributing, but we need to make sure that those funds are getting to residents. So... So that's just, I, I think, something to to kind of really check through when you are making a donation that that is being made to an organisation that has direct links to residents, um, and yep. to make sure that that money gets to those people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tamar. And lastly, the virus itself. I mean, what's going to happen with people who become ill with the virus who have been diagnosed with the virus in those flats? How's that going to be monitored? Yeah, because apparently there's been a small outbreak in there. Yeah, yep. What are they going to do? Lock it in there? Yeah, I don't know. Great, great question. That's crazy, Tamar. Mm, No proper coordination in Mm. this this at all. Nothing at all. No preparation, no nothing. Mm. Yeah, yep. Yep. I think that's that's one of the, the huge lessons that needs to be learnt from this um, is the essential nature of providing, of of thinking plans out before enacting them. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Tamar, we've got a couple of minutes left. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and you've just heard an extended interview with Tamar about the hard lockdown of the Nine Towers. Keep up the good work, Tamar. Thank you so much. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks a lot. Take care. You too. Hi, we're the Marindas and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. Isolated? Quarantined? 
Need some essentials but can't leave the house? Or just having a hard time dealing with everything at the moment? Queer Aid Nam is a new mutual aid group of organized volunteers. We're here, we're queer, and we've got your back. Whether or not that's how you identify, nobody should be suffering because capitalism or the state didn't provide what they needed. That's why we're working to strengthen our communities through solidarity. Put in a request for help and we'll match you with a volunteer in your area who can either pick up groceries or other essentials for you, help you run errands, cook meals for you, or check in with how you're going. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, or if you want to join the volunteer list, find us on queeraidmelbourne.org or search for us via Facebook. COVID-19 Queer Aid Nam Melbourne. So tell your family and your friends and don't forget your neighbours. That's queeraidmelbourne.org, a 3CR supporter. And we've got a couple of couple of minutes left of our show and it's goodbye from Marissa and also goodbye from Peter and Rob who aren't here. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll be going out with our theme song, Blackfella, Whitefella from the Rumpy Band. Beyond Zero is up next. Tune in every Monday for the show from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Take care and stay safe. Bye. A true fella, as long as you are real fella. <laughs>